You're listening to a Touch on the Box Tales podcast. Hello guys, how are you all doing? Happy new month. So we are less than two months away from 2022. We've actually come a long way though. How is the year treating you so far? I'm sure you might have had some New Year's resolutions and how you intended on bringing them to life. Have you been able to achieve anything so far? What number are you on your checklist? If you've not yet ticked anything, I would encourage you to worry less. You have a chance to make things right as time goes on. So don't worry at all, okay? Good. <laughs> I know I have been away for long, haven't I? I left off in June, I guess. And we are in November right now. It was meant to be a short break, but unfortunately, it turned out to be long. I'm really sorry about that. The most important thing is that I'm back to continue from where I left off. I'm glad to be back, and I'm glad you're back with me to continue this journey. If you're new here, you're very much welcome. Please enjoy listening. So this show is basically about reading stories from amazing writers talking a little bit about movies that I enjoy watching and learning few friendly tips to help spice up our English speaking skills. Oh, and I'm Priscilla, your host for this podcast. Before I continue, I'd quickly like to chip this in. So guys, this is what I've decided to do. I've made a few changes which I'd like to lay you in on. So now, our movie time slash the review slash recommendation it's gonna be separated and given its own episode called the movie box yes a whole new episode <laughs> but this is more like a sub episode to the main episode and guess what it will be released the very same day as the main episode the movie time i believe deserves to be talked about in detail it's not going to be anything extra or anything out of the ordinary but it is definitely going to cover some important parts. We are going to talk about some few things that make the movie, or even if it's a series, interesting. We will talk about what the internet is saying. Was the movie worth the watch? Oh, spoilers would be included, so take note. And a whole lot more. Today, we continue with Alphys Anaya, A Dark Voyage, chapters 2 and 3. If you've not yet listened to the prologue in chapter 1, then you should definitely go back to episode 5 and have a listen. Now and without further ado, let's get right into this because I can't wait to read to you. But you all know the deal, right? Before that, let me share some 91 verse 5 to 6 with you. Maybe you forgot to read your Bible today when you woke up. This is just a little something you can use for the day. Psalm 91 verse 5 to 6 You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. Amen. This is to remind us of God's love for us and that He loves us no matter what our situation. And I read, Chapter 2 Into Deep Don't panic. No need to be worried or scared. Everything will be just fine. Right now, 
I know there is one thing you want the most more than anything. Answers. You want answers and that is exactly what I am willing to give you. But you will have to trust me. Do as I say and exactly as I say it and you'll get the answers you need. This won't be a rosy ride, but I want to believe I chose right and that you are the best person for this. Now, let's start. Get rid of your body first, then go to the address written below this letter for the next task. You know what to do. Without saying yes I am in, Anaya realized she had already gotten herself caught up in whatever was happening. She was in too deep. Why her? What did they want from her and to what end was this going to get to? More questions formed in her head as she closed the letter. She walked over to the window for the second time and stared at her reflection. For someone who had gotten her body swapped after being chased to her own death by a shadow in the fog and a voice in her car, she was too calm than she was supposed to be. For one reason or another, she felt she could trust the voice behind the letter. She could feel that everything would definitely turn out just fine. Except for the fact that she might have to live the rest of her life in a different body of course. She moved away from the window in search of anything she could wrap the body with. While searching, she found herself in what used to be a locker room and saw some pieces of clothes lying around. She wore a sweat-stained t-shirt and jeans caked with dried blood. The best ones she could find. She ripped the remaining clothes apart and tied them together at the end. Back to the dead body, she covered it with tight cloth. She tied her nose with a small piece left but regretted her decision a second after. The dirty clothes didn't smell any better. With difficulty, she dragged the body slowly towards the back of the slaughterhouse. There, she found a lot of cars packed, many of which were scraps. It was as if the slaughterhouse has now become the habitat of scraps. Among these cars was hers. She walked to it and realized it was crushed to the core. Nothing could be done about it. She stood there and stared at it for a while. Snippets of the night, she had the accident returned to her memory. She could see clearly her car spinning in the air and landing tires up in the sky. She could remember her struggles to get out of the seat belt. She could feel the pain that overtook every part of her body. She could see herself sweating as she prayed for dear life with her unsteady breathing. It was so vivid and felt surreal. Droplets of sweat formed on her forehead as her breathing quickened. She moved away from the car to catch her breath. After a few minutes, she felt a lot better. She moved the body to one of the cars that looked better than the rest and prayed it worked. It did. All she needed to do was to start it. There were no keys but she found a screwdriver in the tools box. She removed the screws on the steering column cover and pulled the access panels to reveal the wires of the ignition system. She used a wire stripper from the toolbox to cut some of the insulation off from each end of the two wires. She pulled and twisted them together with the tips of her fingers. The ignition, radio and light turned on. The corners of her mouth curved into a smile. She couldn't believe this trick still worked. She searched for the wire which connected to the starter motor and sliced a piece of the insulation off from its end too. 
She took the end of the wire and made it touch the ends of the other two. The engine started right away. With no time to waste, she dragged the body into the trunk of the car and drove off. The town of Tekala spread in front of her as she drove through. Tall buildings rising from the white spaces of green treetops under a shimmer of the sun. The town was always flooded by a sea of people heading in different directions. It was the capital of the Silila state in the western part of Africa. It was a busy town filled with a lot of stories, cultures and colors. The town itself looked magnificent, but not everyone in the town lived the luxurious life they would want tourists to believe. The homeless still walked the street, often in chaotic, down and out exchanges with themselves over one money or another that someone had generously given them. They didn't usually receive arms from the rich. They did only on occasions like the state festival or when one had been instructed at a church, mosque or shrine, any place of worship, to give to the poor as a way to guarantee the receiving of a request they'd made of their God. However, Tekala was the kind of place where nothing bad had ever happened. It was sunset when she got to the graveyard. The orange hues stretched far and wide across the sky. It was always beautiful to watch the sunset from Takala. The sun swimming behind the crest of the mountains, the sky awash and burning with colors hidden in the heart of a flame. It was a sight anyone who visited the town loved. Anaya pulled the car over at her usual place in front of the cemetery, the very place her car was packed the last time she visited. She could swear she had a deja vu. She felt as if a dark cloud was hanging over her head. However hard it was for her to go back into the cemetery when it was nearly night, she had to do this if she ever wanted to get the answers she needed. She walked out of the car and checked if anyone was around. The cemetery was as quiet as it has ever been. She pulled the cops from the trunk, again being hit by the sense of hurt. She scrunched up her face as she stealthily pulled the dead body into the cemetery. Her footsteps resounded sharply around the empty graveyard, sounding excessively loud in her own ears, even without any footwear. At the very far end of the cemetery, she stopped and began digging up the earth. She had dug quite enough after some time. Though it wasn't the usual six feet everyone was buried in, it was something a body could be covered in. She couldn't have dug anymore even if she wanted to. She could still feel sharp pains all around her body. She dragged the body in the hole, took the spade and began to cover it in the black earth. Seconds after she was done covering the whole body under the earth, which had about two or three feet depth, a bolt of white, hot lightning shattered the outer blackness, slightly cleaning the darkness, but only for the briefest of moments. Thunder screamed from the blackened sky, the clouds above invisible. An explosion like that meant that the heavens were about to pour, but there had not been any signs that it would rain earlier that day. At least for the most part, she was awake. Suddenly, a chill rose up against the spine, which made her shudder. There was something or someone with her and she could feel it. Somber whispering sounds appeared to erupt and spill from behind her. She turned her head slowly over her shoulder and the whispering ended abruptly. The only sound she could hear was her overwrought breathing. Chapter 3 Who is there? 
At the back of the tree hid someone. Whoever it was seemed to have a keen interest in what Anaya was doing. She felt it. Someone must be watching her. No, she knew it for sure but she couldn't quite please where. When the whispering sounds ended abruptly just as they had started and the only sound she could hear was her overwrought breathing, she knew that was a signal to get out of there. Then she heard a movement from beyond the trees. Again, it was formless and indistinct, like a swelling piece of shadow. She threw the spade on the freshly covered grave as if she had no respect for the person in it and made her way out. Within seconds, she was out of sight. He crept around the corner from the darkness and stood at the exact place where Anaya had stood a few seconds ago. The man wore a dark fair-lined cloak that made it hard to see his face clearly from the darkness. He looked at the freshly covered grave for a few seconds without moving or uttering a word, then picked two broken tree branches and made them into a crucifix. He walked over the grave and planted the crucifix on the head of the grave. Another streak of lightning struck. This time, it revealed part of his face for a brief second before everything went back to total void. He was like a spook. One minute he was there and the next he was gone, vanished. It was as if he was able to dissolve into the very air itself and blow away with the breeze. Anaya was back in the car and already on the road, thinking about her next course of action. It wasn't clear what the latter part of the letter wanted her to do, but there was an address and some sort of instruction. You must find him, the one who knows all but tells none. Make him show you the way, the way to where it all began and where it can be ended. The son of man arrives, beware, don't worry, I will be here. She didn't know what that meant or what she was to find at the address she had been given, but she knew one thing for sure. She couldn't go anywhere else in the clothes she wore. She needed clean ones. But that thought came another one she hadn't realized was lurking at the back of her mind. Home. She had to go home. That wasn't the best idea but she couldn't think of anything better. The rain had started when she set off from the cemetery and it was still going. Soft splashing droplets of water struck to the windows and windshield of the car as she drove forward. The weather was cold, extremely cold. Her lips would quiver at every second interval. After a few minutes on the road, she finally got to her first destination, home. The house, her home, where all her life's memories lived, stood a few steps away from the streets. From there, it was bricks and mortars overlaid with towels, the same as any other. From the outside, the house looked old and in need of maintenance, but there was also something about it that looked accommodating. Anaya made her way out of the car and into the rain. Her disheveled clothes were wet in seconds. Instead of running to find cover, her mouth curved into a smile as the rain touched her skin. She stood there and let it wash over her, unmoving, just smiling. It took the passing of another car before she remembered that a stranger in the middle of the night was nothing her neighborhood treated lightly. Stealthily, she began to approach the house, her eyes fixed on the opened window at the back. She had made her way into the house through the window and was now approaching a room. On the couch in the room, its back facing the door sat a woman and a young boy of about 10 years old. He had relaxed into her arms so fully it was like they were one body, melted together. Sardness marked his face but the woman's expression topped his. 
Struggling to hold back the grief, tears flowed steadily and calmly down her face. She felt bent inside, numbness, emptiness as she moved her fingers across the picture frame in her hand. A beautiful young woman, dark skin, beautiful brown eyes, carefully chiseled nose with long dark hair and wearing a smile stared back at her from the frame. The death of a child may be the worst trauma a mother could experience but what is worse than that is when your child goes missing. When you don't know whether they are dead or alive but have been told by many to believe the worst. Every mother feels responsible for the well-being of their child and so when this happens they don't just lose a person they loved. They also lose the years of promise they had been looking forward to, the years of living to see their children become all they wished they would become. It had been a month already when Anaya left the house to go to the cemetery, an act Mama had warned her against but Anaya seemed never to listen. That place gives me peace, it gives me comfort Mama, was all she got anytime she brought that up. It was hard for Mama to understand the sort of comfort or peace her daughter would get from being at the cemetery but clearly she respected her daughter's decision even if she was against it. Growing up, Anaya has never been a simple child to be with. She would question almost everything and be curious about everything. She was a smart one. Her teachers liked her so much, at least until the point she would question them on something they were teaching or say something they thought a child her age shouldn't say. However weird everyone found her, Mama always told her the opposite. She never once made her feel unwanted or different. Her father disappeared mysteriously before her younger brother was born. To the matter, that crowd of a man didn't want to take responsibility. The truth is, no one knew what happened to him and no one, or at least Mama, cared about what might have happened to him either. It wasn't like he was of any help to them when he was around. He made alcohol his daily bread and got himself fired from every job he got. He was no good. So none of them had felt his absence, not by anyone. After their father left, Mama decided to be everything for their children, the father and the mother. She worked all her life to give them a good home, food and more. They were never left wanting for hugs, smiles, laughter and acceptance in the four walls of their home. They were never raised the old-fashioned way typical of an African home. The you spare the world, you spoil the child way. Mama spared the world and many criticized her for that, but she never once let that influence her. She would always reply with, My children hold my soul in their heart, and my heart is forever theirs. They listen to me, and I listen to them. There is no need for violence in my home. The other mothers would always look at her disdainfully as if they wanted to say the old African adage that says, Children will hate all those who give all things to them, or even the Akan proverb, If your child is dancing clumsily, tell him, You're dancing clumsily. Do not tell him, Darling, do as you please. Whichever it was, Mama didn't care. She loved her children and she knew that was enough. All these memories flooding back to Mama's mind brought more tears to her eyes. She felt like the entire world was going to collapse. Watching them from the door, Anaya couldn't hold back her tears either. She dropped down silently on her knees and sobbed as tears ran down her face like the waters rushing down a waterfall. She stopped when she saw her dog coming towards her from an adjoining room. No, 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 Ed, not now. She muttered under her breath. 
Ed's eyes were fixed upon her as he walked closer. It was as if he was trying to figure out who she was and it didn't work for him. The dog came closer to Anaya's outstretched hand and after a few sniffs, began to bark. His barking got Mama's attention. She turned and asked, who is there? She stood up and walked towards the door when she heard no one speak, but Ed's constant barking. She knew someone was in the house. So guys, we've come to the end of chapters 2 and 3. Now let's learn some new idioms, shall we? Up a creek without a paddle. Up a creek without a paddle. This means to be in an unlucky situation. For example, Christabel couldn't hold her tears because of what happened yesterday. It was up a creek without a paddle. Our next idiom is daylight robbery. Before I give the explanation or the meaning, let me say this first. One time, I asked my friend, what do you think daylight robbery means? She literally told me it means robbery in the daylight. I know a lot of people give the same meaning to this idiom, thinking that daylight robbery means people stealing in the daytime. Please, I beg you, that's not what it means. But please, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean a daytime robbery or something like that not at all so daylight robbery means to blatantly overcharge someone or something for example madam you saw this can cook for 10 cities hey this is just daylight robbery so that is the meaning of daylight robbery to blatantly overcharge someone or something so guys we have come to the end of this episode now, why don't you do me a favor and subscribe or follow on Apple Podcast? Thus, if you use an Apple phone, rate the podcast and leave a review. If you use Google Podcast, I would be glad if you could hit the subscribe button. If you use Spotify or Jamit FM, you simply have to create an account and follow. If you're listening to this podcast on Breaker, you can subscribe, like and comment. For Anchor, all you have to do is to play the episode. You can as well follow on your favorite podcast app. Click on the link in the description to connect with Alpha on Instagram at let's underscore alpha underscore right. You can also connect with me on Instagram at itach underscore on underscore the box deals. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you all on the movie box soon. Bye.